to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up and because it had no root or root depending on what part of the country you're from it withered away and some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. You get verse 9 because this is, excuse me, verse 8. This is describing, verse 8, this is describing the overflow. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. She who has ears to hear, let her hear. Verse 13, verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Because they inquired, Lord, what does this parable mean? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones stone, sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they're Pentecostals who have no root in themselves. It's okay to laugh in church. It's okay. They're charismaniacs who have no root in themselves. They know how to dance and shout, but have no root in themselves. They know how to feel God, but don't know how to obey God. Oh, you know where we're going with this message. Hallelujah. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, and it will, Immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke and strangle and asphyxiate the word. And it becomes unfruitful. In other words, they have no fruit. 
But these are the ones sown on good ground, the ones who live in the overflow, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your everlasting word. It just lasts and lasts and lasts. It's always relevant, always pertinent, always germane, always on time. It's always the right word. We thank you, God, that you are here. We sensed your presence, but even if we didn't, you already promised to be here. When your people gather in your name, you promised you'd be here. Now, we want to be abundantly clear. We don't want to just praise you and dance and feel you. But God, we need you. So please don't be a spectator. Don't be an observer. Come right up here. Come right down the middle. Come up here. Please, Lord, take the mic. God, we need you to speak. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. The last thing we need is yet one more sermon. The last thing we need is one more service. The last thing we need is some more church. We need you. So God, come. We mean it. We want you as we sang to be glorified. We want you to be lifted high. We want you to be exalted. We want you to be extolled. Well, that means we give you the mic. And out of the mic, we give you the reins. And out of the reins, we give you our lives. That you can do what you have come here to do today. We know that if anyone is intentional, if anyone is deliberate, if anyone is strategic, it is you. So let your strategy unfold right now. Let your blessing come any way you want to do it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So look at your notes, please, which is just a skeletal apparatus to help you track through this passage. We're talking about living in the overflow, and there's some important background information. Number one, the parable describes four kinds of spiritual hearts and levels of receptibility to the word of God. As the scriptures talk about the ground, the soil, it's referencing the heart. And so as we look at what it says about each of these four qualities of soul, of soil or ground, it's describing a particular kind of heart. Number two, the parable explains, and this is a typo, the parable explains the three, you can cross that out if you want to, the three graduated strategies of the enemy that he employs to thwart the word of God in our lives. We're going to find out that he first comes to steal. Then we're going to find out if that doesn't work, he reverts to stressing. And if that does not accomplish his goal, he will do his best to put us into a slumber. So he comes to steal, and then he brings stress, and then he wants to put us to sleep. Anything to stop the word. Number three, 
It talks about the word. Jesus says, this is all about the word. It's about the sowing of the word. Well, how important is the word? Well, 1 John 3 and 9 says, read it with me on your sheet, read it with me out loud, uno, dos, tres. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, let's say it for the ladies, okay? All right? Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in her, and she cannot sin because she has been born of God. The word is powerful. It will literally stop you in your tracks. It will arrest you. It will assault you. It will confront you, and it will say, Stop it or don't do it. Four of you said amen. The word of God is that powerful, that awesome. Once it gets inside of you, it's a keeper. The word of God will keep you. The word of God will stabilize you. The word of God will undergird you. The word of God will spank you. When necessary. How many of you have been spanked before by the word? How many of you have ever gotten a tongue lashing from the word? I mean, God, God will keep you up all night loving on you <laughs> when you need it. So God then gives us this incredible word, this seed that remains in us, and it literally makes us strong in the Lord. Number four, we see that in Mark chapter four, verse three, verse 14, the sower sows the, sows the seed, right? And this is the gospel. It's the gospel and or it is God's vision, destiny, calling, and purpose in our lives. So it's very important you see this, that yes, you receive the seed to be born again, but God keeps planting seeds in us. When he gives you direction for your life, please hear this, it comes in the form of a seed. When he gives you vision for your life, it comes in the form of a seed. He plants it in your heart. When he's calling you, it comes as a seed. And the enemy knows the value and the power of the seed, even if you don't. He realizes that he's got to stop that seed because if it grows, he's in trouble. Your calling will come to pass. Your destiny will come to pass. Your vision in God will come to pass. And he says, oh no, we must do whatever we can to stop the seed. We may be lackadaisical. We may treat it frivolously. Satan does not. When God speaks a word to you, he's revealing vision. When God gives you a dream, it's a seed. He said, I'm going to breathe on this. I'm going to water this. I'm going to grow this. I'm going to cultivate this. And Satan says, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> and he comes a running 
Jesus said immediately, say immediately. immediately. You got it. That's why, that's why sometimes when God does something for you, I've, I've heard people tell me, oh, Pastor Chandler, I decided to tithe in church. God called me to tithe and I finally said yes. I finally surrendered to his will and they went outside and their car had a flat. What's that? Satan coming immediately to steal the seed. You may, you may commit yourself to live sexually pure. I know someone who did, this happened to them. You, you say, okay, I'm going to follow God. My, my body is not my own. It does not belong to me. First Corinthians chapter 6, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus. I can't go where I want to go. I can't date who I want to date. Only the married people said amen. <laughs> the rest of y'all said, move on to the next point, please. <laughs> I know how you feel. I used to be you. I know how you feel. All right. So, but the point is, you've still been bought with a price. You still are not your own, even if you're exercising rights you don't have. And so this one young man decided that he was going to be pure. And he and, he and a friend were driving home from somewhere that same night. And two girls came by and moved them in a car. The devil comes immediately. Say immediately. immediately. So you're not surprised and shocked when he comes after your destiny. Like what happened? Oh, no, no, no. The, the vision, the vision. He knows the value of your vision even if you don't. He knows your calling is wonderful even if you treat it like trash. And so he comes immediately because he, it threatens him like nothing else. Because when you walk in your vision, God's vision for you and your calling, your destiny and your purpose, Jesus is walking in you. And where you go, he goes. And where you advance, he advances. And where you plant, he's planted. So tell somebody immediately. Say, don't be surprised when he comes immediately. So this seed is so powerful, it threatens the very existence of the devil, the very, very soul of the devil. It is the seed, part, point number four, it is the seed, the sperm that impregnates us. The Living Bible says, for verse 14, the farmer I talked about is anyone who brings good, brings God's message to others trying to plant good seed within their lives. Number five. Whenever God speaks, he speaks in seed form throughout scripture. Look at those verses. But it's important though, the word shall not return void. When God sends a seed, if we are a person who lives in the overflow, that seed will absolutely come to fruition and the harvest and the crop. We'll tell you about that more. Number six. This parable is basal, it's fundamental, it is rudimentary, it is foundation. What, what do I mean? 
This, this parable, Jesus says, chapter 4, verse 13, do you, do you mean to say, refer, talking to his disciples, who privately put him aside and said, what does this parable mean? Do you mean to say you don't understand my, my parable of a sower? That, in other words, that was the key parable, Jesus said. If you don't see what I'm trying to teach there, how will you be able to understand any of the other parables? In other words, this parable is paramount. This parable is the parable that explains, or at least you filter all of the parables through. It explains the dynamics of every parable, the realities of every spiritual thing Jesus attempted to teach. It runs through your understanding of this parable that God sows a seed to reap a harvest in you and me. And all that takes place, and no matter what God calls you to, Satan will come how soon? To steal that which God has called you to. So then let's talk about the first kind of heart, the first kind of ground that Jesus describes. In verse 4, that Jesus describes. In verse 4, if we can put verse 4 back up here, please. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And then also verse 14 and 15. The sower sows the word and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in the heart. So this, this first kind of heart is a hard heart. A hard heart cannot receive the vision of God. A hard heart will never receive the destiny of God. A hard heart cannot receive God's calling. It will bounce off your heart because your heart's too hard. This ground that Jesus is referencing was, was often prevalent in Palestine. It, you know, because as they sold the seed, uh, you know, indiscriminately, I mean, what purpose, but indiscriminately, it, it fell all over the place and, and it fell sometimes on ground that had been paved by, paved by people walking on it, you know, and so it was hardened and, you know, there was thoroughfare and people walked through that path and, to get somewhere else. And, and, and the truth is, some of us have been walked on. Our hearts have been walked on. And innocently, we become hard-hearted. We come to church, but we're still hard-hearted. And so when God is trying to bring you into what he has for you, no matter how he tries to get the seed to penetrate and impregnate your heart, it keeps bouncing off. Because you refuse to forgive somebody that did something to you 20 years ago. He wants to take you forward. He wants to move you into what he has for you, but you won't let it go. You feel justified. You, you, you know, and, and whoever this person is, you vilify them. And it's like, oh, you know, and, 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 you know, I have a right not to forgive. No you, no, you don't understand. You're missing your purpose and your vision that God has for you because it will bounce off your heart. Say bounce off. And so it, it, it's been sent to impregnate, but there can be no pregnancy because your heart is too hard. And the devil comes immediately and steals the word. And he says, good. She won't forgive Susie, so good. 
At least she won't threaten me in her destiny. I got one that won't threaten me in their calling. But Pastor Chandler, you don't know how much they hurt you. I know how much they hurt me. Can I tell you something? If you come to church, there's a great likelihood somebody, before it's all said and done, and within a week, somebody's going to hurt you. I mean, if you are hurtable, you're going to be hurt. <laughs> and so it's all right, get over it. Say, Lord, I'm hurt, and so let's deal with this, Jesus. And he say, okay, let me tell you why you're hurt. Let me show you how to get healed. In your notes, in your notes, the hard heart, some people are the seed thrown into the path, and the tempter snaps up the word before it can even take root. That's the voice. The, 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 the new King James again says immediately, say immediately. See, he knows how important that seed is, so he comes right away. And the hard heart, the hard heart, is not able to receive the word. Number two, a hollow heart. It's, it's Roman number three, but the second heart is a hollow heart. In verses five and six, verses five and six says that some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. All right, go down, please, to verse 16. But likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Verse 17, but they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterwards when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake or for the seed, say the seed. See, the devil will send stress. The devil will send tribulation. The devil will send persecution because he's after the seed. And, and if you are not, if you are not rooted and grounded in Jesus, if you have not learned how to stop living by your feelings, if, if, if you've not been through some good biblical classes where God has been able to, 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 to gut you of all your feelings, living by your emotions, you know, they like me, they don't like He loves me to get over yourself and learn how to become steady and stable in your faith in Christ. That we walk by faith and not by sight, not by what we feel, not by our senses. We walk by faith. And, and for some of us, you know, because, you know, especially we Pentecostals, we love to feed. But, but don't live there. Do it on Sunday, but don't live there. Don't live there. You better live by the word of God. You better live by faith. You better, you better put your faith in the truth that his word is truth and everybody else is lying. Everybody. So your feelings are lying to you. When they, make, when they, they tell you he doesn't love you, they're lying to you. When they tell you God's left you, they're lying to you. When they tell you he's abandoned you, they're lying to you. Stand on the word. Because stress will come. Persecution will come. When you say you're a Christian, at the office, the whole rules fall silent. 
You can talk about anything else, but don't dare say the Bible says. You're religious. You're, you're, you're legalists. You're oppressive. No, the Bible is the truth. And if you know the truth, it will set you free. The Bible is a liberator. The word of God will break every chain in your life. So persecution will come. You will lose friends. You will lose friends when you stand for Christ. How many of you lost some friends before because you stood for Christ? They will want nothing to do with you. They will walk away from you. They will leave you. But it is important to know that you are not living for them. You're living for him. You, you are living for him. You are, you are walking in him. You are believing him. You are trusting him. That You put all your eggs in one basket. Him. Him. But there's a, there's, there's a hollow heart that, that can develop if we don't become solid. That's why when we ask you to go to a, 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 mem, a, a, a new beginnings class or, or, or a, a class that will teach you good Christian doctrine, we're not trying to bore you. We're trying to stabilize you. We're trying to teach you how to be consistent and constant and committed. I love millennials more than any other generation, including my own. But y'all can't spell commitment. <sighs> it's like it's a curse word. Commitment? Uh -uh. That's legalistic. No, it's life. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't flake out on you? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't follow his feelings? Well, I don't feel passionate about that. <laughs> I, all right, so I'm so glad Jesus was not a millennial. Hallelujah! Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> now, those that know me will tell you I love me some millennials. I believe, I believe you are the hope. You, you, you have renewed my faith in what God is doing. Because millennials are no-nonsense young people. Millennials don't want any junk. They don't want any performances. They don't want, they don't want any entertainment. Millennials want justice. Millennials demand justice. Millennials want the truth. Millennials want authenticity. Millennials demand that we be genuine. Thank you. I love you. No, no, I told God, thank you for sending millennials. You, you, you restored my faith. Because I don't know what to do with me boomers. 
Jesus save us. So there's a hollow heart that, that Jesus describes. There's a hollow heart that is only th that way because th there was some ground, there was some soil, but, but there was a thin limestone underneath. And so the ground received the seed, but it didn't last because the roots had nowhere to go down. And some of you are afraid of a winter season, but a winter season is the best season. Agriculturalists tell us that, there is, that there's more growth during a winter season than the summer or the spring, that the roots go deep down in the winter. The roots find stability in the winter when it seems like God is doing nothing He's doing the most. And so when he calls you to trust him and believe him and be still and don't do something foolish, don't do something ill-advised and ill-timed because you don't see him doing something. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I'm doing more than you know. He's doing more good when it's, everything is barren. He is going deep for you to make sure you grow well. But this, this hollow heart is all about feelings, all about emotions, all about I don't feel it and, and I don't see it. And, and God has to bring us to maturity. Look at, look at verse 16 in your notes. Others of the seats thrown among the rocks. Those people hear the word and receive it immediately with joy and enthusiasm, but without deep roots, doubt, trouble, persecution, instantly withers their faith. And then there is, third, the hurried heart, or the harassed heart, or the harried heart. And it's verse 7, verse 7. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. So it yielded no crop. Now, now this, this heart has somehow withstood the, the torrential attack of the enemy to, first of all, steal it, and then second, to stress them out with trouble and doubt and all kind of feelings and, and just make them walk away from God. But this heart has weathered the storm. And this heart is going to church. And this heart is serving God. And this heart says they love the Lord. And it seems they do. And I can't judge them. They probably do. But this heart has no fruit. Oh my. Now it's going to get good. So verse 7, actually let's go down to verse 18, 19. Verse 18, 19, so where he explains. Now these are the ones sown among thorns, they are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So they're not living in the overflow. They might look blessed. They might have all the exterior signs of being blessed. I'm blessed, 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 blessed. 
Blessed, blessed, I'm blessed in the city. No, you're not. All right, so, so it looks like you are. You're driving a nice car because you blessed, 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 blessed. New house, blessed, blessed, blessed. Promotion, blessed, blessed. But excuse me, please pardon me, all of you grammar specialists and English teachers, please forgive me. You ain't got no fruit. Very important. This is, this is where we got to camp. This is where we're going to pray from. This is, this is the heart that is in too much of a hurry. Let Jesus explain. Let Jesus explain. Verse 19, the cares of this world, the worries of this world, the deceitfulness, the, the, the delusion, the, the, the wooing, the, the intoxication of riches and wealth and blessing, material, external blessing, and the desires for other things, they enter in and they literally choke the word. So the, so the devil says, all right, all right, all right, all right. I couldn't steal it from you. I couldn't stress it out of you. But I tell you what, I'm going to put you to sleep with your blessings. Because when you get home, you're so tired from the rat race all day long and chasing all day long and running after stuff all day long and trying to make it all day long and getting nine degrees all day long. And, oh, because the, you know, the eighth degree, it's like, oh, Lord, when am I going to be fulfilled? Let me get one more degree. And Lord, if I marry her, I'll be fulfilled. No, if you're not fulfilled now, all you're going to do is mess her up. Why make a happy person sad? Stay away from her or him. If, 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 if you're not complete now, why bring your incompleteness? She completes me. Don't put that burden on her. That's not biblical. Jesus completes you. Jesus completes you. No spouse completes you. No girlfriend completes you. Jesus completes you. If you're not complete, stay away. Well, I'm lonely. Take your loneliness to Jesus. You didn't call me last night. Call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. You better call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. You better call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. You need to call on Jesus. He will answer prayer. He will answer prayer, Lord. He will answer prayer. He will answer prayer, yeah. He will answer. Stop. You don't need. Hear me, please. Hear me, please. Hear me, please. Sitting around waiting for somebody. You've got Jesus. And if you don't have him, you have nothing to give. Look at your notes. 
One of the seeds fell among the weeds and thorns, which crowded the seedling out of producing a crop. It crowded out. See, the weeds and the thorns were there. All those other things we'll talk about in a minute. They crowded out the real plant. They were competing for the same soil, competing for the same nutrients, competing for the same nourishments. And if you allow that stuff in your heart, it will crowd out the real word, the real seed. It will destroy your vision from God. It will destroy your destiny and your calling. Look at your notes, verse 18. So lovers of the seed tossed among weeds and brambles, the worries, the Cambridge Drive for more and more. This was written for Cambridge. It was written for PT, written for Medford, written for Malden, written for Somerville. Written for Arlington and Arlington Heights. <laughs> Written for Quincy. The drive for more and more. Gotta have more and more. More and more. Gotta be blessed. Gotta get more. Gotta get a better house. Gotta get a better car. Gotta get two cars. Gotta get three cars. Gotta get more. Give my kids more. Christmas up. Better toys. Better games. Gotta get more. Gotta get more. You're gonna fool around and lose your destiny. Chasing stuff. Coming to church, but you have no fruit. You're too busy. You're too pooped. You're too exhausted to have any fruit. Because you're chasing the American dream. What you really have is a spirit of poverty on you. And you're trying to make sure you're poor no more. Never again. So Jesus said, look again. He says, this craving for more and more. And more and more. We got to get more and more. So there's no time for ministry. There's no time for fruit in God. There's no time to serve the Lord. Child, I got to get more. Child, I got to make sure we have security. Child, I got to make sure my retirement's in place just right. And, and, and there's, there's ostensibly nothing wrong with any of that. But if your heart is hurried, you will not be able to hear the Lord. And I know everybody does it. And it's in the air we breathe here. And it's in the West Coast where I live. And it's everywhere in our country. And everywhere in the Western world. And it's in the Asian world. But I'm telling you, you will have no fruit. Let me explain better what that means. Let me explain better. So keep reading with me. The desire for other things. Those things cluster around close and they choke the life of God out of them until they cannot produce. The seed Cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes to it. So the devil says, okay, I wasn't able to steal the vision from them in a seed form. I wasn't able to, to get them to give up because of emotional issues. So now I'll let them be blessed. Because they'll be so busy tending to their blessings 
they will not have time or energy for God. They'll be so encumbered with debt that God never told them to acquire that they are so stressed and so worried. Jesus said it's the worries, say worries. It's the worries that will choke the word and you will have no fruit. Come in the church worried, worried, worried. I'm going to pay this bill. Well, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about the house. I'm worried about this. And I'm worried about not education. And I'm worried about too much education. And I'm worried about the, that interview. Worry will choke the true seed out of you. And you will produce no fruit. Jesus said, worry is pernicious. Worry is poison. It gets in your system. It will poison the life of God out of you. Parents, God gave you children not to worry about them. They're not yours. Why are you worrying? They're not yours. Only Delia said, yes, sir, amen. And only Delia. Let's try this again. Parents, God gave you children, and you're not to worry about them. Okay, five of you joined Delia. But please hear me. Your children can keep you out of your destiny. Some of you have built a shrine in front of your children. Something happened to your children, you stopped serving God, you stop seeking God. You stop crying out to God. That's the time to cry out, but you stop crying out to God. And it's like, like you lost your spiritual mind because you have put them on the throne. That throne belongs to Jesus. Some of you don't have a job. You got laid off or whatever. Or you didn't get that position and you stop praying. You stop seeking God. You're depressed. You're forlorn. Oh, God doesn't love me. Oh, he loves you a lot. He's saving the best job for you. If you let him do it, he'll give you the job of your dreams. He knows you were settling for little. You were settling for less. And he told that employer, don't hire my daughter. He told the interviewing, he told the interviewing committee, don't hire my son. Because I've got better for them. Yeah. Only four of you are excited about that. So I see, I, you know, I understand. I mean, we are a worry culture. And, and just so you know, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching up to you. Because I discovered that by nature, I'm a worrier. If, if it's not one thing, I'll find another. And once I get through one crisis, I'm looking for another one. Because some of us are addicted to mayhem. Some of y'all are visualizing the, the commercial, right? Some of y'all are addicted to mayhem. You, you, you're addicted to crisis and chaos. And if you don't have chaos in your life, you will conjure up some. All your prayer life is praying about a crisis. Oh, 
Jesus wants you to walk in his peace. His peace, excuse me, you English experts, peace that don't make no sense. Don't let my Bishop, don't let that guy preach again. He does all these double negatives. I don't want my children to hear that kind of preaching. They know it better than you. Let's finish. The seed on your sheet, this verses 18 and 19. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do. Overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they hurt and nothing comes of it. And they, I believe these folks love God. But hear me, they've forgotten God. And, and all of us, all of us want nice things. All of us want to do better in life. But if you have no time to be fruitful for God, he's talking about you. Some of you have three jobs and you're, in and you're in graduate school and you're married. Sometimes. You don't have energy to be married. You don't have time to be married. You have no energy to pray. You know it every time you close your eyes to pray you wake up in the morning. <laughs> now, Kendall has an excuse. We give him a pass because they just had a baby. His is natural. We'll give you a pass for a while, Kendall, only for a while. Grace doesn't last always, all right? So. Get your act together. Come on, eyes up. <laughs> you know, every time you stop to be still and know that he is God. This is you in prayer. Father, I love you. I thank you for all you. Excuse me, Lord. Excuse me. Thank you for all you. I'm so sorry, Lord. I don't know what got into me. I'll tell you what got into you. All the stuff you're doing, you've left no energy for God. You've scheduled everything else. No schedule for him. No time for him. He gets the last. He gets the crumbs. And you are bearing no fruit. 
Now you're getting your degree, but you ain't got no fruit. You got a bigger house, but you have no fruit. You've got a new car, but you've got no fruit. And it's a dangerous thing to have no fruit because at least the two instances where Jesus came to a tree expecting to find fruit on a fig tree, both times he was ready to destroy it. He said, you are supposed to have fruit. This is not a blessing game. It's not a prosperity game. You're supposed to have fruit. Let me come closer. You're not not saying amen. You're supposed to have fruit. God saved you to have fruit. God saved you to produce something for him, not for you. This is not millennials. I'm sorry to say this to you. I know know it's going to crash your party. It's not about you. That's heresy. Ichabod is written across the top of the church. It's not about you. In the beginning was God, not you. And in the end will be God, not you, not me. Where is your time for God? Where is your fruit? What are you doing to give God fruit? You schedule everything else. Where is God in your schedule? This is not a blessing club. This is a bless him club. Hallelujah. It's a bless him club. It's a worship him club. It's an honor him club. It's an extol him club. It's an exalt him club. And maybe you don't like this club. We're going to pray for you in a few minutes. Because a whole lot of y'all don't like this club. But your club is coming crashing down. Look, Look at the notes. Look at the quote. Instead of loving people and using money, People often love money and use people. Listen to what Watchman Nee said, the great Christian believer and preacher and author Watchman Nee. One gains by losing self for others and not by hoarding for oneself. The next quote, the pursuit of things robs me of investing more in the work of Christ. The last one. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Yeah, you got, you got a new car, but you have no fruit. You have a new car, but you're not doing anything for God. Your schedule is maxed out. Every night there's something, and there's no time for God. But I come on Sunday... Didn't you hear me say you have no fruit? So you come with no fruit on Sunday. The problem with coming on Sunday is that you need him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. 
I remember when I was when I was at Yale uh, as an undergrad. I mean, I, you know, I still I still was at Bible study on Tuesday night. I served in the choir on on Thursday night. I was often at church on Friday night. I, I was serving the Lord. But Yale was not my God. I met the people at Yale. They're no God I want. And unfortunately, what? I mean, you know, like, what is it? Five out of the six last presidents we've had all went through Yale. That's why we're in trouble. And the others went to Harvard. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Godless, heartless, compassionless, driven for greed by greed. It's, it's just a, a culture of greed. Everything is greed. Jesus said, if, you don't, if you're not careful, you will fall into the same trap of living your life to get stuff. The best Christmases, our children just recently confirmed this, the best Christmases our children had was when we decided that we were not going to exchange gifts in our immediate family, our, intimate, our nuclear family. We were not going to exchange gifts that we were going to take our money that all of us would have spent on gifts for each other and we sent gifts to a missionary family or a poor family. And our children still remember those Christmases. They said those were the best Christmases because their heart enjoyed giving and not making it about themselves. And we, we each had an allotment. You know, we, we had a quota that we had to earn money or raise money and we pulled our funds and we blessed a poor family. And you know what happened every time? Every time our children received the best gifts because God supernaturally sent people to our house with more than what we could have given them. God honored their faith. God honored their, their humility, their sacrifice. God honored their giving. And he blessed them. And they say, Dad, it's better that you all don't give us gifts because then God gives us gifts. Well, see, but, but this is the issue, and we're going to pray. See, because, because we, can't, we can't get to the 30, 60, 100-fold until we deal with our craving for, for wealth and riches, which Jesus emphatically says will deceive you. It will beguile you. Yes, you. It will trick you. Yes, you. It will put you under a spell. Money will put you under a spell. Wealth will put you under a spell. Riches, Jesus said. How many of you know Jesus tells the truth? Jesus said it's deceitful. He said, no, 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 I've got it covered, Pastor Chandler. No, you don't. You've got more debt than you should have right now, which means you signed some loans Jesus didn't tell you to. Oh, the Lord blessed me to get that loan. It was outrageous interest. Who's quiet in here right now? But everybody does it, not the people of the Lord. It's hard to get amen right now. I'm just like, it's the frozen chosen up in here. But it's okay, and the truth will set you free. 
Just because the spirit of the world does it doesn't mean you to do it. Doesn't mean I'm to do it. Well, how am I going to get that car? Well, maybe you can save your money. Did I just curse? <laughs> maybe you can save your money and get the car you want. Save? I want a miracle. <laughs> the miracle is you saving. God raised the dead and he helped you save. Same miracle. Equal. <laughs> we have to make sure that we are not driven by wealth and riches and getting more and more and running and running and got to get another degree. I'm not, nothing wrong with degrees, but ask God, God, am I trying to prove something to somebody by getting yet another degree? Wouldn't it be better to get healed so you don't need another degree? And so that God will call us, God will call us as he blesses us, which he blesses his people. Don't misunderstand me. He blesses us to give. Now, give me five minutes and we're going to pray. Okay, because there's something we have to do with everybody. So, I saved the best for last. The only way to not be seduced by money is to give sacrificially. I'm going to tell Bishop, you have the quietest church in the world. <laughs> I'm saying, Bishop, I couldn't buy an amen this Sunday. I got a few dollars in my pocket. Can I buy one? And to my point, <laughs> but Jesus teaches us throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospels, that the only way to combat greed, the only way to combat avarice, the only way to combat searching after money and things, the only way to do it is to give sacrificially. And Jesus, see, this is the deal. Because Jesus talks about other things. Jesus talks about other things. And what other things? Well, it's just things. And what other things? Well, there's not necessarily sin. Hear me. For others, but it's sin for you. And, and, and sometimes God is confronting us as individuals, and he said, I don't want you to do that. But, Lord, everybody does it. I mean, everybody in church is going to see that movie. But I don't want you to go. That Lord, that young man is, is saved and, and he's handsome and he's got a future. And the Lord says, not your future. So he wants more than you to say hallelujah. And, 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 and so, so God will confront us at times and he will say, you can't do that. 
They all can do it. That's fine. That's between me and them. But you can't do it. You can't go there. You can't say that. You can't do that. But what's wrong with it? I'll explain to you later. When I return. So it's just, it's, it's just these things. I mean, you know, some of us, some of us are like, you know, like tiger moms. You know, they, you know, they, they say, you know, how, how do you go to Harvard? Have a Chinese mother. Have a tiger mom, okay? And so because every night you're going to be doing something. Every night, you know, you, 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 you're you going to be burning the candles. At both every night, your kids, every night, all day Saturday, in some school, some class, some class, there's never any time to rest, never any time to recreate, never any time to refresh, never any time to experience Sabbath. We have no Sabbath. And the last time I checked, it's sin not to have Sabbath. It's the one of the Ten Commandments. Some of us will never commit adultery, thank God. Some of us will, will never steal, thank God. Some of us will never, you know, lust after somebody's wife, thank God. But you sin every week by having no Sabbath. You never stop. And then you wonder why our bodies break down. Lord, heal me. He said, I could have healed you 30 years ago if you practiced Sabbath. Sabbath gives our body a chance to regroup and re refurnish and renew. Stopping. You all, you all, by the way, paid and helped me go on a cruise for my, for my 60th birthday. And my wife and I went on this, this cruise for 20 days, and it was on purpose. 20 days was, was necessary for me to unwind and detach because I'm me. And, and cruises are my favorite vacation because, because when I'm on a cruise, I'm too cheap to pay for the exorbitant fees for Wi-Fi. So I truly disconnect. I, I, I truly, I, you know, I stop. <laughs> I'm not paying it, okay? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. Now, you can pay it for me, but I'm not paying it. And so, and so on a cruise, I'm, I'm completely away from everything and I'm able to focus on the Lord and focus on my wife. And she's like, hallelujah, finally, I got my husband back. But, but, but see, but see, but you know, she, cause she really doesn't have a husband when I'm in Cambridge. Cause I'm with all of you. Oh, blessed be the name. I'll say hallelujah to that. I'll say amen. And so, and so, and so, I didn't know it was a Holy Land cruise until we were boarding the ship in Dubai. And the big sign said Holy Land cruise. I said, we're going to Holy Land cruise. I didn't know that. I said, it's a write-off. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so, so what? So, uh, some of y'all don't understand that. It was a write-off. I said, thank you, God. <laughs> thank God for the ministry. Hallelujah. Their benefits, their perks. <laughs> some of y'all better accept your calling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be serious. Okay. All right. So, 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 so what happened is that, is that uh, we, we, we stopped in Jerusalem. We were at five port stops, which was intentional, so I could just chill and not walk around looking at stuff like I'm prone to do. Uh, you know, I'm a prophet. I got to see everything. And came so, so I got nose trouble. And so, and so, and so the last, well, we, we stopped in Jerusalem and we took this, this tour with a secular, Jewish secular uh, tour guide, a female. And at the end of the tour, she said, okay, it's almost Sabbath, and you, if you want food, you better get it fast because once Sabbath falls, nothing's open. No food, no restaurants. You, you're going to starve for the rest of the night, okay? So be prepared for that. And, and she said when we were, we were uh, exiting 
the shuttle bus, she said, we Jews understand that Sabbath means just quit. And the Lord said, I brought you to Jerusalem to hear those two words. Chandler, would you please just quit? Chandler, I need you to just quit. So there's a day that God ordains in our lives where we just quit. Booby, I can't get an amen today. They're listening? My wife said you're listening. And church does not count for a lot of us because church is a work day for a lot of us. Don't let, me call, don't let me call your name. Don't let me call your name. Don't make me call your name. Don't make me call your name. Church is not a Sabbath for you. So now for me, because of what I do, Sunday night, all day Monday, I'm forbidden to email, text, answer calls. I don't call anybody back on Mondays now. Why? Because the Lord told me, quit Chandler. I established this day for you to quit. It will save you. It will heal you. It will renew you. I will bless you if you trust me. And now, i gotta, got to call that person back. I, oh, that pastor called me. He wants me to preach. Oh, there's maybe a conference I can do. Quit. Call him on Tuesday. Yeah. My wife said amen. <laughs> That's the amen I needed. So, so on the Sabbath, we, we focus on God, we focus on family. We focus on ourselves. We renew, we get renewed. And hear me, the Lord is telling you, if you don't, if you don't start establishing the Sabbath, you're going to be sick. God meant for you to be healed weekly. Weekly. Running and running and going and going and trying to accomplish this and accomplish that and gotta be there and gotta be there for the church and ah, you better quit. Be there for the church, but have a Sabbath. Because worry will overcome you. And hear me, all that stuff you're doing will choke God out of your life. And you will never walk into your destiny, even though you have three PhDs from Harvard. You will never walk in your destiny. So this is the question. What do you want to do? I don't have time to deal with this maybe next time, but the question, the question has to be posed, well, what's fruit? And it, real fast, fruit... I, I'll give you a little bit of this. There's two points. Fruit, number one, assumes that you're accessible and you're available. Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, the fruit's there, but I can't get nobody to go after the fruit. So, please, the first start is for you to come to this altar today and to say, Lord, I'm making myself available. Because you, you have not been available to God. And you know it. You're too busy. And he gets the crumbs. 
if that. So number one, you have to be available. You, you, you can't pick fruit for God. You can't collect fruit for God if you're not even available. You're doing this for the kids. And you know what? Maybe your kids don't need to do all that. Maybe they need to see you serving God. Maybe they need to see you going to prayer. Maybe they need to see you going to prayer. Bishop, come back. They'll, they'll say amen for you next Sunday, Bishop. Hallelujah. <laughs> Y'all are saving your amen, to Bishop. That's it. Hallelujah. I feel better now. God is calling us to change today. How many of you want to live in the overflow? The second thing I didn't tell you, the second thing is that fruit for God is not material. All this stuff you're working for, you're taking none of it into eternity. You're leaving it all here. All this stuff you're working for, <laughs> doesn't matter to God at all. He gives it to you because, you know, he loves you, but it doesn't matter to him. You're taking none of it. And, and I'm mighty afraid that a lot of us are going to get to heaven and we had a nice car down here, but we're going to be broke in heaven. Hear me, please. Because you are not giving at the level you need to be giving at. You're not sacrificially giving. You're not generously giving. I, I, I gave my best. No, you're lying wonder. And some people who have money, and the Bible's very clear, they are called to give more. They are called, and you know, a bishop is a wonderful man, and, and I honor him, and I love him, and I'm, I'm pointing to him in his absence, the absence is here today because he's in Romania preaching, and, or maybe sleeping now because he preached all day. But the Lord bless him and bless Lady Carmen. But, you know, you know he, he's never going to bother you about giving. He's, he, you know, at, at this church, they hardly even say a word about the offering. Elder Leon got up there and said, y'all just give in Jesus' name, and sat down and smiled. As only he can. Doesn't he have the best smile? Yeah. Has, he has the best, the best smile. That's because he's eating Valor's cooking all these years. That's why he's grinning all the time. So praise the Lord. If you, if you ate our food, you'd be grinning too. Hallelujah. Finally, I'm preaching, Valerie. Finally, I'm preaching. Finally. It took me this long to preach. <laughs> I love the saints and the ain'ts. And so what happened is, so what, what happened? What, so so bishop, bishop in this church will never pressure you regarding giving. They will never do it. You know why? Because bishop is a man of great faith. His faith challenges me all the time. This dude asks God for stuff and he just does it. He asks God for things and he just does it. God sends money from outside PT and blesses his church. Because of bishop's faith. And it's prayer life. Challenges me also. I was cool until I had to meet him and I got to pray this much now. <laughs> but that's my brother from the same mother. I'm the West Coast son. Hallelujah. Don't forget it. All right, so. So. <laughs> one time Bishop said, all these other sons my mother has, I'm the son. I said, whoa. What's the father saying about your heart right now, Bishop? <laughs> Should we do Jesus' wonderful counselor, Bishop? Right now, right now. Where's the lie, Bishop? Where's the lie? 
<laughs> what vows did you make, Bishop? <laughs> so, so Bishop's never going to pressure you. Elder Roy's never going to pressure you. Elder Leon um, is never going to pressure you. Uh, Elder Albert's never going to pressure you. It's never going to happen around here. Uh, Elder, 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 Elder Anita is not going to pressure you unless she gets anointed. And so what happens is that, which is all the time. But what happens is that they never press you because some of you have been wounded and hurt by, by offerings in church. You felt pressure. You felt coercion. Now, most churches don't do that, but there's some that do. There's some that do. Most churches don't, but there's some that do. And you happen to be in that church. And so it's like offerings. It's like, Ugh. they just want your money. No, it's not about wanting your money. It's about keeping your heart right with God. Because if he doesn't have your money, he doesn't have you. You don't believe me, Jesus said, where your treasure is. You can talk, 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 but where your treasure is. You can talk, talk, talk. Oh, I love God. Oh, I love him. I love you, Lord. Oh, I love oh, you. Can, but Jesus says, where you invest, I know where your love is. Jesus is not fooled by what we say. He looks at our offerings. Jesus, Jesus goes to offerings. There was a lady who put in like two cents in an offering, literally two mites, two cents in an offering. And a bunch of, bunch of blessed people from Cambridge that went to PT put in big offerings. And Jesus said, that lady gave more than those fat cats from PT. What do you mean gave more? Because she gave out of her need, her lack. They gave out of their abundance. So it's not how much you give. Is how much you don't give. No, don't worry, we're not going to receive an offering. I don't think. But some of y'all need an offering. Because you've allowed money to choke the fruit out of you. And the only way to break that off you is to sacrificially give. It's the only way. It's got a stranglehold and it's going to keep your heart from receiving your destiny and your purpose because God is, is, is to some people, is just the truth. The, the rich young ruler, he said, he said, I've done all these things since my youth. To, you know, he asked Jesus, how do I get eternal life? I've done all these things since my youth. How do I get eternal life? I've done all these things since my youth. How do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. How many of you want Jesus to love you? There are sometimes you sit say amen. How many of you want Jesus to love you? Amen. So he said, because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. There's one other thing that's necessary for you. It's necessary for you. He said, I need you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says, he walked away sad. But he wasn't selling nothing. But what's the problem? Jesus was offering him eternal life. So he said by his walking away, I'd rather have material stuff than spend eternity with you, Lord. And he was religious. And he went to church. 
us. Would you bow your heads right now? Thank you for allowing me to be longer than Bishop today. Don't worry, he'll be back next Sunday. Hallelujah. There is, there is a call to the overflow. God will pour it on. He has no problem. When the overflow touches, it immerses, it saturates every area of our lives. The overflow does. The overflow will minister and address every area of our lives. The overflow gets it done. But we got to get to the overflow. But the overflow can be asphyxiated by worry. By chasing stuff and degrees and, and houses and lands and even though God gives us house, God gives us cars, God, but it's another thing for him to give it to us, another thing for us to chase it. And he, and he grants desires and he will put a desire in your heart for where he wants you to live, but it's a whole other thing to chase it. And Jesus said, you ought to seek first my kingdom and by righteousness, and you are not to chase these other things. That's exactly what he said. My people don't chase stuff. My people don't become so encumbered by debt that they cannot give. What I want them to give. And God will absolutely, if, if, if you decide today to give like God wants you to give, you know what? The Lord will bless you with debt cancellation. He can do it. He can, he can, he can deal with this. It's no problem. He just needs to know are you on his team? Are you in this to prove something to somebody or prove something to yourself? I'll never forget the day when, when we were early in our marriage. Uh, I had stopped tithing even though I was raised to tithe. I tithed throughout college. I tithed as a boy. I got married and I got scared with kids and bills and responsibilities. And I stopped tithing. I said, Lord, I can't afford it. And of course, the bottom dropped out of everything. But one Wednesday, the Lord convicted me in my prayer time. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to come back to tithing. I repent. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want you, God. And that includes tithing for me. I want you. Because where my money is, that's where my heart is. So, God, I must give you the tithe because where my money is, Jesus, you said it, where my money is, that's where my heart is. And so I said, Lord, I repent and I will start tithing. And I was unemployed. I've been unemployed for weeks. And that night, a brother came up to me in church and gave me a job. Same night. Why? God didn't beat me up. God didn't crucify me. God just wanted to know that my heart was changed for him. And that same day, he gave me a job. He was simply waiting for me, waiting for me to submit to his will. And that's all God's been waiting for. He's ready to pour on the overflow. And it's going to give you everything you want and more and more and more and delight your soul. But he's waiting for you to surrender the craving, the pining, 
the searching for it. Because it's hurting your fruit. You don't want Jesus to come for you and you don't have any fruit. Trust me, you don't want that. Fruit's not material. It has nothing to do with anything material. Fruit's spiritual. But you have to be available.